0: Hey guys, welcome to the Happy Client Show, where our goal is to help you build client relationships that delight. My name is Ben Butler, and I'm joined here in studio, coffee in hand, by my co-host, Andrew Dimsky. Andrew, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great, Ben. It is just into the afternoon here, which means it's time for a cup of coffee number two. So cheers to you. Enjoying it right now.
0: Coffee number two. We, we can't lie to these nice folks here. It's, it's more like coffee number
1: six, right? All right, it's yeah, pot number two. Better. How about that? we measure in pots around the office here we don't measure by cups because the measurement of a cup is a purely uh subjective measurement because you could have a, a ben size cup or a andrew size cup or a ryan size cup it, you know the cups can be all kinds of different sizes yeah matter? that's right
0: it's what's in the cup that matters so exactly. just like what's in the client relations strategy which is what this show is all about
1: well Ben, I think this is something, this is obviously episode one. So we're going to dig into a little bit of the overview here and why we're doing this show and why we think it's needed right now. But when we think about managing client relationships and you look at all the content that's out on the web right now, it's all about doing the tactics or winning the client, sales and marketing. There's not much out there about delighting customers in the agency space. You can find some good stuff on how to deliver customer success in a SaaS product or do stuff like that. But down in the trenches, in the agency lifestyle, there's not many resources out there today to help you, the inbound marketing manager, or you, the owner who's getting it up and running, really service clients well. So that's why Ben and I are here, to recount these stories from the trenches, share lessons that we have learned, mostly in failure, to be honest with you, but also from success and bring those back to you, share new and exciting ideas that we come across and really help you deliver better services to your client, because we believe in our hearts that if you have the right framework and structure and process in place, you can usher your client to a place of delight, and that does not always mean that you're, the client is always right in the relationship. But before we hop into that topic, which we're going to dig into here a little bit more today, we'll give you a little bit of background on both of us. Um, I'm Andrew Dembski, co-founder of GuavaBox and a co-founder of Do Inbound. Box is an inbound marketing agency. Um, at this time, we're a HubSpot gold partner. But we got started as a website design agency back in the day. And we started our agency in college. And once we graduated, Gray hopped in full-time as the first full employee for Box. But I went and worked for a PR agency for the first nine months out of school. And then once we grew Box to a point where it could sustain both of us, I transitioned out of that job into Box full-time and really began this quest to build an agency that delivered real value to our customers, where we could show, show them a really clear return on investment. And that led us to HubSpot. It led us to the value-added retainer model, which we have been in the quest to perfect ever since. Now, we do a lot of project work still. We do a lot of uh, website work. COS design is a, a hallmark of our offerings right now. So we bring we bring experience from both different sides uh, of the table and then about a year ago we started working with ben we brought him on as our head of inbound partnerships one of the best decisions we ever made and it's been a awesome awesome experience to have Ben on the team um, but ben before we dig in too deep there give folks an idea of your background before you came to guava box and and what you sort of bring to the table here
0: yeah so <clears throat> much like you i i started my my career in pr uh, I founded my own PR agency here in Pittsburgh about two and a half years ago prior to joining Guobblebox. Uh And that's really where I got exposed to the concept of uh, managing a div- diverse client base and relationships. And that was really the baptism by fire that taught me a lot of what I know today. Uh, and that Education of how to deal with these relationships continued through my experience with Guava Box. And I'll tell you what, guys, there's some crazy stories that we're going to share with you through this process. I'm really excited to do so. Finally, uh, a purpose for these stories rather than coffee pot anecdotes. Right, Andrew? Yes. That's awesome. So this is, a, I feel like we're diving in head first here. This is a really taboo topic. And a lot of people are afraid to dive into this. And what we're talking about is the phrase, the customer is always right. This This is as old as time itself, it seems. It was coined in 1909 by a man by the name of Harry Gordon Selfridge, who started a department store in London. And you've heard this before. Basically, it means the client is right no matter what. Andrew, is that the case?
1: I do not think it's the case, and we're going to argue over the next few minutes here, Ben, why you should completely rethink this idea. I think it made sense for Selfridge when he was designing his department store in London back in the day, because there's a completely new view of empowering the customer at that time in history. But when it comes to delivering agency services, you are more than just a hired gun for your client. You bring to the table a strategy, a framework, a process. And that is where your value is gleaned, and that is what should differentiate you from everyone else out there, is the value in your system. And Ben and I believe heavily in that. And so we're really going to dive into this idea of how do we position ourselves as an agency, as a partner to the client, not as a hired gun, but as someone to come alongside of them and work with them towards their goal. They understand their business and their industry. You understand inbound marketing, inbound sales, all those sorts of things that we come together as a partner and really move forward with equality. That is our goal in this, is to help you position yourself in that way. Because there are a couple of key things, Ben, that you need to do along the way in order to achieve that position as a partner. Uh, but let's talk about this idea of the client is always right, Ben. We want to hit five different reasons. You want to kick us off with the first one on why we say the client is al- is not always right?
0: Yeah. So the first reason is it kills your culture. I honestly cannot think of something or anything for that matter more important than the culture of your agency. It's what gets people up in the morning. It's what puts a smile on the face during the rough days. If you don't have culture and if you don't have a strong culture, I would argue you are in serious trouble and you're going to be going through employees, team members, and things are just not going to pan out for you. Whenever your focus isn't on your team, a.k.a. your mentality is the customer is always right no matter what, then your focus is solely on your clients. It doesn't matter what the client says to your team. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter. The client is always right, and this What's the focus, again, on your clients, which is taking the focus away from those who are closest to you?
1: Yeah, I think it's a buzzkill in the office. And it's a – your team members, if you're an owner listening to this right now and you allow your clients to push your team around, your team's going to wonder who is he really loyal to at the end of the day. Is he more worried about or is she more worried about the, the check that this client is going to send at the end of the month than me in this role that I'm trying to help them out with? If you go, Inbound Agency Journey is another podcast that we run here at Do Inbound, and there's a great interview with Michael Redman that you can go to doinbound.com, click on the Learning Center, and find the interview with Michael Redman there. But he is a staunch defender of his team, and I think he does this really, really well. He protects his agency culture by when a client steps out of line and belittles a member of his team, he really steps in and corrects it to the point where he's fired clients before in order to protect that agency culture. And I think that's a great role. For any leader on a team to take, whether you own the agency or if you're just a, or if you are a, a strategist or a supervisor on that role.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I, I I love that story of Michael Redman and how he does that. I, I just a, a very inspiring example of what I think a leader should be in an agency setting. It's like you said, it is such a buzzkill whenever you know for a fact at the end of the day. If the client doesn't like something you did or if the client disagrees that you're automatically wrong, I mean, who wants to walk into an agency that has that mentality? I know I don't. I know a lot of other people don't either. And another thing that's really bad about this, the client is always right mentality is that the control of the agency is not in your hands. It's in the hands of the client always. So that means your culture, your flow, and your day is fully controlled by your client's and not your leaders. And that is not something that you want.
1: No, totally agree. Second reason we want to hit on here is that when you assume this posture of the client is always right, it really gives a problematic client unnecessary power. And Ben, do you want to share your perspective on this point And why is that something that we should avoid as folks working in the trenches with with our clients?
0: Yeah, there's, there's going to be a point where you're going to have a client who's causing issues, who either doesn't agree with you or, again, just having some kind of issue, you're giving them unnecessary power and, as I like to say, creative license to abuse you and demand whatever they want. This is also where scope creep occurs and isn't stopped. If the customer or the client is always right, you're giving your client the unnecessary power to scope creep like crazy. So they could say, well, we now want this analytic report of this campaign you're doing. We want to convert this to that and this and that. Some big long chain of complexities that isn't included in the service offering. And since they're always right, well, guess what? You're going to honor that and you're giving them unnecessary power.
1: Ben, how do you think you control that? At what point in the process, as you're working, in it could be a story or whatever, but like how if I'm frustrated with a client who is pushing me in that way, what are some ways that we can reel them in, set them straight, and and really kind of get the whole relationship back on track?
0: Yeah, if it starts to get really bad, what I always like to do is I like to have a time to talk on the phone. And this is something I've learned. Through my experience from you and from Ryan on our team, is that sometimes the best medium to handle these things is on the phone rather than email. It's just to have a phone call to take thirty minutes to talk about, hey, here's what I'm sensing, here's what here's what's happening, and here's why it's not okay. And I think it's important to, and I, I think this is something. This could be a whole other podcast, but uh, from an operations standpoint you need to have a contract that is clear that is specific that is going to tell exactly what your team is responsible for and what exactly what you're going to do and with that document this legal document that both sides have signed, you can refer back to that and say, hey, look, this isn't in the contract, and we cannot honor this kind of behavior. So I think it's important to stop, to halt, and to get them on the phone and to refer to the contract and say, hey, this is not what we agreed upon.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Getting as much as you can, you can chase it out and you can just push into those words. If you can have an in-person meeting, I think that takes the phone call to even the next level. But it shows the client that you are committed to making things right. And I think if you can, if you can go in there and you can show them that you, in your heart of hearts, are invested in their success and you want to help them do better, you can show that to them uh, better on a phone call or, or in person. I think that's a smart move there. Um, yeah. Ben, what do you think? Uh, what is another reason why folks should really avoid this posture of the client is always right?
0: Yeah, I think another. This is a a huge point here, is that reason number three, a business relationship should be a partnership. And what we mean by that is there is lateral equality. This concept of, you know, I'm not working for you, you're not working for me. We are walking, I I don't want to say hand-in-hand here, but, you know, the the visual exists. We are walking hand-in-hand together to a similar goal, which is the client success.
1: Yeah, totally agree. I think that partnership idea needs to come out in the sales process too, because if you're in the weeds and they only think of you as the hired gun who's coming in to mop up or to do what they're told to do, then you are already behind the eight ball, so to speak. But if working with your sales team, you can position your service as a partnership up front, that is going to really change the trajectory of the entire engagement, because at that point, you're coming in as an expert. We hit on this a little bit at the beginning, Ben, but... Just that shift from I'm here to do tactics to I'm here to help you grow your business. I'm here to help you increase your revenue. You come in there as more of a, a specialist, A think of it like a surgeon versus someone who's just there selling medicine. You can come in and really apply specific skill sets, which you have as an inbound agency. You understand inbound really, really well. You understand the tactics. You understand the software. You can take that capability and. And really deliver real value under that partnership idea. Because if they're not bought into that, it's not going to be a healthy fit.
0: Yeah. And I think something that's also important to consider is that in a partnership, we're not always agreeing. And that's okay. I think this concept of the client is always right is really one that can be based in fear. You're afraid of not agreeing with your client. And what you equivalent in your mind to that is, well, we're not agreeing, we're arguing, we're disagreeing here and there, and so I'm going to lose this revenue screen. But in reality, it's okay to not agree with your client and to offer your expertise. And you don't have to be the winner at the end of the day, but you also don't have to be the loser.
1: Yeah, I think what we have found is when you're clear with the client and the communication aspect there, If they're not bought into that partnership idea and you just tell them, hey, this is outside the scope or, hey, here's why we don't want to do that, a lot of times they receive that really well and say, okay, great, thanks, I I wasn't sure. You don't need to assume that every question comes to the table with the assumption that they're right and you're wrong. I think you made a great point there, Ben. Um, But the next reason we want to highlight here on why the client is not always right digs into this idea of a framework. Um, And so the, the client is hiring you to bring your expertise to the table. If they could figure this out on their own, they would have. They wouldn't need to bring an agency into the picture. So understand that when a client comes to you with, oh, here's the latest thing that we want to do, or we just had this big meeting and now we want to do this thing, that happens all the time and that's okay. But you got to remind them and bring them back to the fact that you come to the table with a proven framework and you come to the table with a strategy that's been proven successful on other accounts, in other industries, in that industry, wherever it may be.
0: Yeah, and a lot of people might at first blush think, well, isn't this kind of a, a restraint or a boundary, You know, a framework that's going to make them feel limited and put in a box? It's really not. If you have a good enough method and framework that has been proven, it's more of like, like Rob Bailey from Page Ladder says, it's more of a swimming lane that helps guide them. They're still going through the strokes, but they have a guide, they have a goal, and they have a certain way that they're going. So it's more of a benefit- than a restraint.
1: Yeah, I think you can almost think of us us being agencies as the sort of the fitness instructor or that personal trainer who's coming in. We build a plan together. You tell me where you want to go. You don't know how to get there, but I do. So I'm going to help you through a series of steps, through a series of consistent training, through a series of repeatable events, get you to where you want to be. And if I just come in one day and say, I want to change the plan because I saw something new on the internet. That personal trainer is going to say, no, you're not. We both committed to this and we're going to keep working on this until we get you to where you want to be. So think of yourself as the one who puts that swim lane in place. Great quote from Rob Bailey from PageLadder. I absolutely love that. Give them a structure to follow, enough freedom to go back and forth a little bit, but enough of a structure to say, hey, here's the roadmap we're going to follow to get you from where you are today to the goals that we've agreed upon at the beginning. Here's the, the amount you would like to grow revenue. Great. Let's break that down into tactics to get you there. It's your job to put that framework in place and it's the client's job to respect and communicate through it. Obviously keep lines of communication open, tweak your plan when necessary, but make sure that they understand that we are here to follow a framework that's seen success in a lot of different industries. I think that's really helpful.
0: Uh, Absolutely. And last but not least reason number five, some clients just aren't the right fit. There are times don't get us wrong that you don't really have a choice and who your client is or are. You need to bring work in to keep the lights on, to keep your employees paid. But at a certain point, you have to graduate from this agency model. It's it's too tempting to get stuck into this mindset where whoever comes in the door, you have to take on. And that again stems from this concept of the customer is always right. We're just gonna take them on. They're right, you know, they came in our door, I think they're right. I think we can help them. But again, at a certain point you have to graduate from this agency mentality.
1: I think it's hard, Ben, if you've got a if you're a young agency or you've just got a couple of accounts, any lead is awesome and it's so exciting and any opportunity to work is really invigorating. But what we found the hard way is it's those folks who maybe don't have the budget that you really want to help because you want to add another retainer to your book of business. Those are the ones. Those the cheap ones are the ones that cause the most headache that want to push your team to the edge and get as much out of you as possible. Those are the accounts that really drive the vast majority of the headaches there. If you can even just increase the price of your services and bump yourself up to sort of another tier of customer, I think you're going to find a lot of headaches fall down and lose these clients that are not a good fit. Because, I mean, a client cannot be a good fit for a variety of reasons. It might be that the point of contact there is just there's a... Uh, personality clash there—that could be the case. It could be that there were poor expectations set in the sales process, so the way they view you does not equal the, the way that you think you should be viewed, or the way that you view them. That could be another falling off point. Uh, could be that because the onboarding process was bumpy, that we're not delivering the quality of results that we expected at the beginning. So maybe some of those projections are off a little bit. It could be that they just think that they can push you around and get whatever they need out of their agency. Um, it seems like a, on two ends of the spectrum, if you've got a really, really big company, they they feel like they can push an agency around and get what they want out of them. Um, really frustrating mindset there. And then also on the other side, the really, really small companies with minimum budget or where solopreneurs, where you are, by working with them, or even an entrepreneur, you're taking money out of their paycheck to deliver services. Be careful of those situations, those small businesses where, you are operating within that structure because it's that sweet spot in the middle where a company has a marketing budget and they want to grow and they want to move forward, but they're not not—they're not that Fortune 100-style company where they can just throw their weight around and have you do whatever they want to do. Find that sweet spot in the middle where they value you as a partner, you set clear expectations in the beginning, and really, you put them on a path towards delight.
0: Yeah, and this honestly, this might take some self-evaluation. So here are a few questions and these will be in the show notes if you'd like to reference them. But here are a few questions to use to help find this sweet spot. Who do we work the best work, or or, excuse me, who do we do the best work for? Is it a certain industry? Is it a certain size? Is it a certain business model? I think these are all important to consider. You know, if, if you've, traditionally had issues dealing with restaurants and that's where all of your headaches have come from and next to that you've always had an amazing affinity with uh, the automobile industry and you do amazing work for that then you really want to consider hey maybe this is a vertical that we should pursue the other thing is what framework has worked best how can we better it? How can we communicate it better? You know, It's really a part where you're taking your process and refining it. And last but not least in this, how can we actively seek our best clients? What tactics are going to get you the right conversations with the right people and thus are going to get you uh, people who you could work with and trust who are going to help grow your business?
1: Fantastic, Ben. I think that if folks just run through that self-evaluation, they're going to really shine some light on their own business and Some opportunities to get better. Uh, Before we wrap up, any final thoughts, Ben?
0: Yeah, again, client relationships should be partnerships. They're not just buying into your service set, they're buying into your philosophy.
1: I love that. Bring it back to the big picture, guys, any chance you get. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to the very first episode of the Happy Client Show. If you've enjoyed this podcast, Ben and I would really appreciate your feedback and a review on iTunes. You can head over to doinbound.com, click on Learning Center and find the Happy Client Show there. And you can find a link out to iTunes there. If you'd like, leave us a review. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Until next time, keep working, keep pushing forward and remember that you are the one setting the framework in place to deliver the results to your client. Keep that in mind and you will do a great job delivering delight.